What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Texans Matchup. And the fact that you're hearing my voice at nearly 8 o'clock at night means that the season continues. Yes, that's right. I'm your host, Sean Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and we are back to celebrate a win over the Indianapolis Colts. So I mentioned this before, and we'll talk about this. Last week, I, I, pre- I, I prefaced everything by we're kind of in playoff mode already because I don't know if we'll be back next week. Don't know if this will be the last show. Um, but if it isn't the last show, then it means we have won. And if we've won, then we have plenty to talk about and plenty to relive here on Texans matchup. And that is why we're here. And that is the case this week because the Texans are coming off a quote unquote playoff win 23 to 17 over the Indianapolis Colts. Now, when we left Lucas Oil at after midnight Eastern time and drove to the airport and got ready to fly home, we knew we were in the playoffs. We knew the Texans had won that game. That was 10 wins that got them in the playoffs. They would win tiebreakers with the Steelers if it came down to that. They would win a tiebreaker with Buffalo if it came to that. Um, so, we knew we were in the playoffs. Back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, probably Kansas City, probably Buffalo. Don't think we'll get the home game. I think the Jags will take care of business. They've been flailing for a while, but, you know, as a playoff team last year, probably learned a lot. Nope. Jaguars got spanked in Nashville, and it was freaking awesome to watch. So we got to look back at this Indianapolis game, and we're going to do it, and we're going to revel in it. Because winning up there has never been easy. We know that. At least the first 13 years. Now, I said this to Mark. My first year in the sideline was 2014. And I'll never forget that 2014 game for a number of reasons up in Indy. It was uh, the third to last game of the year. So it was like week 15 in a 16-game season with a bye. So it was week 15. And I'll never forget, I was doing my pregame hit, and Bill O'Brien was going across the field, and he started talking to me. And I'm like, What's he doing? He never did that. I, I knew they were very confident they could win that day. And then Fitzy went down um, in that game. Tom Savage came in. There were some mistakes made. He finally found himself in the second half, got it close, thought we had it tied with the Aaron Foster run. Nope, called back for holding. Oh, man. Ended up losing that game. Since that game. So, that, obviously, that was my first trip was just like all the others. Since that game, Texans are 5-4. Five out of nine wins, five and four in Indianapolis, including the last two. Now, we had a run there from 1920 and 21. We had a three-year run where we didn't win, but now we're on a two-game winning streak up in Indy, and it is freaking awesome. And this one, uh, at the apparent loud house, as Pat McAfee called, the Texans came up huge. So, we're going to do our ultimate 11 plays and moments from the game against the Indianapolis Colts, if you're okay with that. And if you're a Texas fan, I would imagine you are, because I can't get enough of this game. Now, we're going to start with number 11, and it might have been the most significant play of the entire game, minus one, the one that's a number one. It was the Colts' last offensive play. And I put it at number 11, Because it's a play that actually, I hate to say it, the Texans were actually beat on. It's a play I've seen a million times. 
And probably the the one place I remember it most was in 2018 at Philadelphia. Nick Foles hitting Darren Sproles on this particular play all game long. And our linebackers just kept screwing it up. Now, fast forward five years, and Indianapolis has got a fourth and one. And they put Tyler Goodson in the game. The Texans had really kind of slowed slowed down Jonathan Taylor over the last quarter. And he wasn't getting what he had gotten earlier in the game. So, Goodson's a better pass receiver out of the backfield. Taylor, I've always thought, is, you know, he screens fine. But he's not a great – he doesn't have great hands. Plus, he was banged up. He had given everything he had got. I, I have the utmost respect for Jonathan Taylor. The utmost, and, and Saturday night just added to that. So they took him off the field on his fourth and one. And they put Goodson on the left side along with Michael Pittman. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I know what they're going to run. This is the Sproles play. And it's a pick play. And essentially, if you go back and watch it, you can see Michael Pittman isn't even really running a route. He is just literally running interference, trying to get Steven Nelson to pick off Blake Cashman or whoever, I think it was Cashman, who was covering Tyler Goodson. And Pittman did it beautifully. It was not pass interference. He didn't go block Cashman. He didn't block Nelson. He just kind of kept running his route, looking at the two, and just trying to get in the way, and he did. Gardner Minshew then threw the ball out to Tyler Goodson, and that's where the execution for the Colts broke down, thankfully, because Minshew throws the ball behind Goodson, and then Goodson has a hard time readjusting and can't make the catch. And the Texans get the ball back with a fourth down stop. Now, they got some help on the stop from Minshew and Goodson, mainly Minshew. But I'll take it, and that's why I put a number 11. If Cashman had come over and stopped them short on fourth down or knocked it away, this is probably play number two or even maybe play number one. But because of the way it went down, it ends up being play number 11, but that's okay because it might be the best place to start. In our ultimate 11, Tyler Goodson cannot hang on on the Colts' final offensive play of the game. As big a play as you'll have all season. Fourth and one at the Houston 15. Minshew in the gun. Minshew to throw. Minshew swings it out to the back left side. It's incomplete! And the Texans take over on downs with 103 to go in the fourth quarter. What a stop. Colts can't complete it. Texans have it. Now, why was that such a big stop? I mean, for plenty of reasons. But the Colts had taken a timeout just prior to this play. That left them with two. So this was essentially the last drive for the Colts because taking that timeout with a minute left, the Texans could run the clock all the way down, which they did to one second on a free kick, and the Colts' offense wasn't going to see the ball again. So – That was the final drive, so that was that big. Now, how did we get there? Well, the defense in the fourth quarter really started making some plays, which was nice to see. And one of those big plays was Jalen Petrie getting into the backfield for a TFL. This is a huge play by JP5. Everybody bunched in pretty tight here. Pierce, short side left. Taylor in the backfield. Minshew under center. Texans with eight in the box as Petrie creeps up. Now Pittman in motion to the left. Minshew takes the snap. Minshew hands off to Taylor running right, and he's brought down to the backfield. Petrie blasted him first. One-yard loss. 
Now, I'm about to make a statement that might sound, I don't know, maybe strange or odd. But if Jalen Petrie is playing at the level he played the other night, now I know he had the legal contact foul, but if he's playing at that level, under control, kind of trying to think of the right way of phrasing this, but madman under control, the Texans defense is going to be in great, great shape on Saturday and forevermore. That was a great performance by JP, and he got that TFL right there. That was big. That comes in at number 10. All right, let's get to number 9, and it's time for Kaimi Fairbairn. There's a stretch in this game that on the sidelines, I mean, I'm, I know you guys watching home. Uh, I know the guys in the booth were just – we're all – we're talking about during the game like, oh, boy. And Taylor is – Jonathan Taylor is really starting to just hammer and hammer and hammer. And he gets the 49, I think it's 49-yard touchdown run. They get the two points, 14-14, like, oh, my gosh. We can't do anything on the following drive. So the Colts get the ball back. They get a little bit of a drive going, but Texans finally stop them. So now Matt Gay's got to kick a 57-yard field goal. He hits the upright. I'm standing right under the upright, and I'm telling you, that ball about 10 yards away from the goalpost started to bend to the right. And I can't tell. I'm thinking it's going in. And then all of a sudden it starts bending, and I'm like, whoa. And then bang, it hits that upright. You're like, whoa, it's just kind of shocking. So the Texans got the ball in pretty good field position. Didn't do a whole lot. A couple of uh, C.J. Stroud runs, got them to third down, couldn't complete the third down. So now Kymie Fairbairn's got to come out for 51 yards. Fairbairn, look, I understand he missed the extra point at the end, and I know that ate up Kymie. I know it has, has probably ever since that has just – stuck in his craw because he's been so good and bailed us out all year. Now, when we needed to be bailed out the most, he bailed him out right here because this kick put the Texans up 17-14, and it was massive. It comes in at number nine from 51 yards. Kymie Fairbairn, good. 51-yard attempt for Fairbairn to retake the lead. John Weeks will snap Johnston with the hold. Left hash mark spot. As Weeks delivers the snap. Johnston with the hold. Here's the spot. Here's Fairbairn's kick. It's up and it's good from 51 to retake the lead. 17-14, 3.39 to go in the third. Not going anywhere. This is going to be a 60-minute fight. Oh, Trey was right. It was a 60-minute fight. But what I loved about it, and this is where I'll use that analogy because it leads me to number eight. And I, I use this. Uh, during the game, I talked about it with D'Amico Ryans afterwards. I, I, I think that football games and boxing matches are very, very similar, kind of the ebbs and flows. And this felt very much like a fight that I've seen before where a, a guy will come out, boom, for, for, or woman, either way, uh, first four or five rounds and just dominate. The jab's working. You know, you're, you're landing a couple of haymakers. You've drawn blood. You've done a really good job in rounds four or five and maybe it's unexpected because you're facing a boxer that's really, really good. But you've won the first four or five rounds. But then all of a sudden in round six, seven, eight, maybe on even into nine, all of a sudden they hit back. And they hit back hard. I mean, really, really hard. But there's kind of a little bit of a, of a break. You slip a punch in there, and all of a sudden you kind of get the momentum back you get your second wind, and then you finish the fight. Now, I think the second wind hit on one play. 
And it was a moment in the game, and they showed the replay of this up on the board, and I was like, my goodness. Khalil Davis is a guy I've talked about all year long. He's one of those, he's not your star, but he's made so many plays when he's been part of the rotation. Like, he's not just a rotational guy. When he goes in, he's making plays happen. It's been really tremendous to watch him. Well, in the late third quarter, trying to stem the tide a little bit, Khalil Davis beat Ryan Kelly something fierce. Pro Bowl center Ryan Kelly gets massacred by Khalil Davis, who makes a big tackle for a loss. And it was after this that the Texans really started to slow down the Colts' running game and the offense at that point to really allow them to get their drive in the fourth quarter, go down and score, and put the pressure on the Colts. But Khalil Davis's TFL right here comes in number eight, and it was a massive one. Two and a half to go in the third. Texans up 17-14. Colts with a first down at their 38. Minshew, shotgun, Taylor to his left. Pittman in motion to the right. Handoff, Taylor in the backfield, blasted and brought down Khalil Davis. Thank you again, Khalil Davis, for making plays for this football team. There's another big one, a TFL. I mean, I can't even really put into words what Khalil Davis has meant to this team. I don't know where they would be without him because they've been banged up. Obviously, Rank's been banged up. Malik has been banged up. Um, I mean, Kurt Heinisch has been able to go every single week, knock on wood. Um, They've had T.R. Tart. You know, he has given them some great reps since coming over from Tennessee. But, man, Khalil Davis has been making plays inside. Uh, And when Rankins and uh, Collins have not been able to due to injuries and just fatigue, Khalil's come in there and made plays in that play. Well, as you heard Mark say, a little bit over two minutes left in the third quarter. It's kind of when the tide started coming back. That was like round nine where you kind of, you know, kind of, getting beat up a little bit, but you're starting to get your second win. You kind of dodge a few punches and bang, you got him. And you rocked him again. You're like, okay, I'm back in this fight. And then you end up winning rounds 10, 11, and 12. Um, So like I said, a boxing match. Uh, I just love the comparison. Okay, let's get to number seven, and it's seven big yards. Now, there are a ton of plays in this game. You're going to hear one from Devin Singletary a little bit later that obviously is absolutely massive. But the run game wasn't. Man, it wasn't tremendous. I think Motor had, what, 24 for 60 or something like that. I mean, it was, not a, it was not a highly productive night. But it was just enough to keep the Texans, for the most part, other than the penalties, but for a decent part of the game to keep them out of, you know, second and 12 because Motor got tackled behind a line of scrimmage on a run. Now, they were their own worst enemy with some of the holdings and uh, false starts and things like that. But I felt like Motor in a crazy way, kind of had as good a game as he's had all year because it was two, three, four yards of pop at times. There was not a lot of room there, and he was fighting for every yard. So when he squeezed off a seven-yard run, I mean, it was one of the better runs. I think it was the best run of the day, and it was a big one. And I put it at number seven, a seven-yarder at number seven from Motor. Loose bunch right side, Stroud under center, and Nico Collins to the left. Now the backs get into an eye. On first down from the Houston 43. Here's the toss to Singletary running right. Has some blocking. 45. Shakes off a tackler, but brought down at the 50-yard line here. Seven-yard gain as it was Franklin picking up another tackle, adding that to his season stat sheet, the leading tackler in the NFL. That run, plus the others on the night, gave Devin Singletary his highest 
career rushing yardage total and he didn't really take over until what halfway through the year I mean if he's the full year starter is he over 1200 1300 yards is he a pro bowler I mean just incredible season for motor and what he's meant to this team we'll get to motor a little bit later uh, but we're going to get to a play here at number six happens on the final touchdown drive now the final touchdown drive is a uh, it's a sea wave of emotion it's like yes no yes no i mean the whole way through it's that way there would be a gain and you're like here we go oh nope we're bringing that back for a penalty so early in this fourth quarter drive the texas had gotten a penalty so they were staring i think at Second and 20. Second and 20. Man, just can you get a, I don't know, a seven, eight-yard chunk on on something that can just get you back to third and 12, I mean, third and 13. Can you just do something so that third down is, you know, makeable? Can you do that? And so on the second and 20 play, I, I'm not thinking much, especially when C.J. Stroud throws the ball out to Dalton Schultz over by the Texans sideline. But then Dalton Schultz, makes a run for it, picking up 16 yards to set up not a third and 12, but a third and four, and that changed everything. Play number six, it's 86, with one of his best catches and runs and maybe the most important one of the season right here. Stroud to Schultz for 16. Second and 20 from the Houston 28. Stroud in the gun, one back Singletary. C.J. to throw. C.J. launches it right side and hits Schultz, breaks a tackle, 40 up the right sideline. Breaks more tackles, spinning and takes it across the 44 to the 45-yard line, bringing up third and three and a half. What a run by Schultz after the catch. What an amazing play right there by Dalton Schultz. Obviously, C.J. just thinking along the lines that I just mentioned. Hey, just get seven, eight yards, set up third and 12. I can get third and 12. I got to hold it a little bit, let my routes develop, but I can get third and 12. I can do that. Dalton Schultz made it a lot easier. He gets it to third and four, third and three, somewhere in there. It's probably like, as Mark said, third and three and a half. And then C.J. was able to pick it up on the very next third down that kept the drive alive. And we'll get to more of that drive here in just a second. But we got to get to number five. And the Texans had one sack on a night. They got pressure on Gardner Minshew. They did a decent job with the pressure. But they constructed a beautiful, beautiful sack for Christian Harris. Absolutely loved it. Now, in the first matchup with the Colts, I'm not certain that Anthony Richardson – well, he went out of the game, but he went out of the game because of a hit 30 yards downfield when he was scoring a touchdown. I'm not sure that Gardner Minshew got touched, I don't think, in the first game in week two. So the Texans constructed a beautiful blitz. Now, the front four was getting, you know, getting Minshew, like moving Minshew around. They were drawing some holding penalties. They were doing a good job of getting to Minshew. But just after the Texans had taken the lead, Gardner Minshew went back to pass. And Blake Cashman was what's called mugging in the A-gaps. So he was showing like he was going to blitz in the A-gaps in between the, the guard and the center. That drew the attention of, of Ryan Kelly. So Cashman, all of a sudden, as the ball is snapped, boom, like right off the snap, he hits Kelly. But then he bails out. And what that did was it got Kelly and the guards locked in on the interior and all of a sudden, here comes Christian Harris wide open in the B-gap 
At number five, Christian Harris with a sack of Gardner Minshew. What a great blitz this was. Empty backfield after motion on second and 10 from the Colt 23-yard line. Texans sending people. Minshew's going to go down as Christian Harris wraps him up. Christian Harris with the sack on Minshew. Third down and very long coming up. Even though the Texans had gotten that long pass to Nico and went up 7-3, that was a play I felt like, okay, all right, we're going to show up today. We're going to slow things down for Gardner Minshew. We're going to make him have a frustrating day. That's when I actually felt best in the game because I felt like defensively, all right, they had added a couple of knockdowns. DHC, DeAndre Houston Carson had knocked down on a slant route. Um, You had Nelson, who nearly came up with a pick. I think that would have been a pick six. He was probably about a foot away. He made a great break on the ball. So that was the drive where I kind of felt like, okay, defensively, we're in this thing. We're in it. We're in the fight. Uh, let's, let's make it happen. So that was at number five. Let's get to number four. And something happens with number four that I, I forgot that Andrew Beck had a touchdown earlier in the season catching a pass out in the flat. And I think it was actually against the Browns, if I remember correct. And, yeah, it was the Browns. It was absolutely the Browns because I actually interviewed Andrew Beck after the game, and I know that was a loss, and that was to the Browns. So it was in the Browns where it was in the Browns game where Andrew Beck did something that I don't know whether it's been done in Houston history, Texans history, and that is kickoff return for a touchdown, run for a touchdown, pass reception for a touchdown. Now, if Andrew Beck throws a touchdown on Saturday against the Browns, that'll just set that thing all off. But Andrew Beck has been the ultimate weapon X for this team all through the season. So, Texans get a drive going near the end of the half. Nico Collins is running through fools. And ball gets down, I don't know, inside the five-yard line-ish. So, it's third and goal. And you're thinking, man, we got to have the big points, as Andre Ware likes to say. we got to have the big points. We'd love to be up 10-3. Would love to be up 14-3 right before the half. So I'm just on the other side of two-minute warning. Texans came out in a bunch set, and it had Brevin, and it had Beck, and it had Mechie. Mechie crosses the formation. The Colts actually picked him up pretty well. Zaire Franklin saw him, picked him up. Okay, great. Dev- Brevin blocks, and he blocks Quiddy Pay. And if you go back and watch the play, he blocks Quiddy Pay's but off. I mean, he, like, Pay doesn't even sniff CJ. Motor goes to the flat. When Motor goes to the flat, two Colts end up jumping him. Andrew Beck just ran a little simple clear out back of the back line of the end zone route. When two Colts go to Singletary, all of a sudden CJ knows, hey, man, there's nobody on 47. Dots him in the back of the end zone. Texans take the 14-3 lead. This is at number four. Nico Collins short side left Stroud in the gun motor in the backfield with him loose bunch right side third and goal inside the two Stroud looks it over puts the leg down here's the snap CJ to throw to the end zone caught wide open Andrew Beck touchdown Houston welcome back Beck yes sir welcome back AB 47 okay let's get to number three and number three is it's three plays that sort of defy description, if I'm, if I'm being honest. And it's one player – well, it's the connection that one player had with another. 
But I'm featuring here Nico Collins and the night that Nico had nine catches, 195 yards, touchdown on the first play of the game, which you will hear a little bit later. I'm not putting in this montage of Nico Collins' plays because I was going through my ultimate 11. I'm like, I couldn't figure out how to really rank these next three plays that you are about to hear. And I just decided, okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put these three at number three together in kind of a three-play montage, if you will, because Nico was just fantastic throughout the night. And I just mentioned that Andrew Beck touchdown. Well, to get in that position, and it's right here at 3A, Nico Collins took a screen. He ran away from Zaire Franklin. He ran through a tackle of maybe Daryl Baker and then ran through Jalen Jones not once but twice. So at 3A, here's that catch and run down inside the five-yard line from Nico Collins. Third and two at the Colts, 37 with four minutes to go in the half. Stroud throws left side. Nico through a hole, 30, breaks a tackle, 25, 20, 15, 10, and still going inside the 10-yard line, knocked out of bounds. Let's see where they mark him. It's going to be first and goal, Houston Texans, as Nico took it down the sideline through traffic to set up a first and goal. Mark, Nico ran over Jalen Jones not once, but twice. He gave it to him two times. He did. I saw him hit Jalen Jones. He was right in front of me. This was like probably five to seven yards away from me. He hit Jalen Jones, and then he went right back for more. I absolutely loved it. It Now, the second one that comes in at 3B is this is a Stroud and Nico one because CJ buys time somehow to make this throw. And I, I thought about it after the game, and I knew I would have to talk about this particular play. And I wasn't sure how I was going to describe it. So I'll say this. I was standing in a direct line with this throw from CJ. I see him scramble in the back, and I'm watching that. But as I do, I can – I could see there's nobody in front. There's nobody over by me. Nobody. So um, when he releases the ball, I'm like, crap. There's nobody over here. But then I can see Nico from a good distance away. Now, on TV, this looks a whole heck of a lot closer. But in, in real time, I don't know that there's anybody over there that CJ thought he could get the ball to. But he knew if he threw it in that area, it's a safe spot. Maybe he saw Nico and was just trying to give it. Well, he did. Nico makes this catch, and I'm, holy cow. At 3B, Stroud to Collins for 14, and it felt like 50. Stroud, shotgun. On second and 14, CJ stepping up. CJ dancing around. There's a lot of pressure. CJ flings it downfield to his right, and Nico Collins runs over there to make the catch inside the 40-yard line. First down, Texans. What a miraculous play at Indy. I don't know if he was throwing the seat to uh, Nico or not. If he saw him, but I thought he was just throwing it away, and that would have been a heck of a play. But then all of a sudden, number 12, the number 12 flashes out of nowhere and makes one heck of a play to give the Texans a first down. And finally at 3C, a couple plays later, CJ's in the pocket. And this still reminded me of one that I saw. It was during, I think it was OTAs. Go all the way back to OTAs minicamp. CJ had CJ made a throw, and it was one of those. And this is why it stood out because I knew they couldn't hit him. And obviously, you're not going to hit a quarterback in practice, but they have pads on. So, as the play is going on, it's a four man rush, and you know, no pads. So everybody's just kind of, you know, 
enveloping the pocket quietly and kind of moving the pocket in. And so you can't see CJ. I can't see him. But I know he's got the ball. Obviously, we haven't seen it thrown. And all of a sudden, you see a right arm come out, and the ball is just shot like a cannon across the middle on a dig route to Nico. And I'm watching practice, and I think Mark was next to me, and I hit Mark, and I went, oh, my God. Did you see that? And we kind of looked at each other like, holy crap. That was amazing. This was that throw during a game. Across the middle, Nico's working. Uh, ran a great, great dig route. Gets some separation. CJ throws a seed, being enveloped by everybody and their brother in the pocket. Nico snatches it, gets a first down, gets a penalty on a horse collar that moves the ball down to the three. This comes in at 3C, Stroud to Collins again. Second down and 13 at the Indianapolis 30-yard line. CJ under center, drops back to pass. Here's pressure. Stroud has to rush it downfield. Hits Nico inside the 10, brought down there, and a flag is down. Going to be a face mask on the back end of this to give it half a distance to the goal. Baker with it, it appears. What a throw. That was a laser with the heat on Stroud to Nico Collins to set up a first and goal. So beautiful. So beautiful. Once they got down to the three-yard line, let's get to number two. Devin Singletary with his best run of the night. I mean, it was incredible. They got some penetration from the left side. And the right defensive tackle, left defensive tackle, was Eric Johnson. Eric Johnson goes up field. So Shaq pins him out. And I can't remember who was blocking the Colt, but the Colt got some penetration. So Motor, essentially, by the time Motor gets to that mesh, there's this little tiny space in between those kind of four people. Colt, Texas blocker, Shaq Mason, and Johnson. Motor jump cuts in between and then sees a hole for the end zone where Johnson had vacated and darts into that hole. Alubi hits him at the goal line. Doesn't matter. Motor gets in. Touchdown Texans. They take the lead. It comes in number two. Hutchinson to the right side. Singletary in the backfield. Stroud under center. First and goal at the three. Texans try for the go-ahead touchdown. Motor with the handoff. Motor to the right. Motor to the goal line and in. And the Texans are back in front. Singletary three-yard TD run. Motor threw up the H afterwards. It was very cool. 23-17. And you know it's at number one. You know it. I don't even have to set it up. It's the first offensive play of the game. It's the bomb. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. And I'm telling you, that quote-unquote loud house went from loud to silent. Absolutely silent. And some fans were giving it to me, so I kind of gave it back to them. I went absolutely berserk when this happened. Number one, 75-yard throw Stroud to Collins to give the Texans a 7-3 lead. It's number one. First down from the Houston 25-yard line. Devin Singletary in the backfield. C.J. under center with Nico Collins to the wide side left. And Schultz in motion to that side. C.J. calls him out. C.J. will throw on the first play for the Texans. Steps up. Fires deep down the field. And caught by Nico Collins at the 20, 15, 10, 5. Rock and roll. Touchdown, Houston. 75 yards on the opening play. Hello, Indy. Unreal. What a throw. What a catch. What a start to this game. You cannot win a football game early. Kicking field goals. 
They knew it was going to be zone coverage. That's exactly what the Colts do every single week, week in, week out. Another outstanding job by this coaching staff of knowing what to expect and then delivering. Beginning the game with an explosion. Wow. At Lucas Oil Stadium. So there it is. The ultimate 11 from a win over the Indianapolis Colts. When we get back, we're going to look back at week 18 in the NFL, in particular celebrating what happened in Tennessee where the Jaguars took an L and gave the Texans the division. That's next on Texas Matchup. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Texas Matchup. So great to be doing this episode of Texans Matchup. It's a bonus episode because the Texans continue to win and win means more shows that I love doing. Uh, as soon as the season is over, we do Texans Monday. We do all access that night and the coaches show that night. And then that's it. And then we go dark until after the Super Bowl. And that's a long time. So when you're just every night, show, 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 show. And all of a sudden, screeching halt. Oh, boy. So hopefully we're going to continue to do these shows for the longest time. Now, the Texans will play the Browns on Saturday at 3.30. I think it's NBC it will be on. And hopefully you're going to get a ticket to get in the building and be loud. I went to the National Championship game on Monday night, and it was split, I think, pretty close to 50-50. It was, may have been a little a lean Michigan, maybe 55-45. That building was electric. The building on Saturday needs to be electric. Now, we are playing at home because, well, the Titans did us a solid against the Jaguars. I said we'd review Week 18, but we're really looking back at one game from Week 18, and it happened in Nashville where the Titans got busy all over the Jaguars, and it started early for the Titans. Four receivers to the right, one to the left. Jacksonville showing blitz, but now they're having to account for the four receivers. Spears comes into the backfield, quick throw. Spears right side looks for a block, turns the corner to the 25 on his feet, 20, 15, 10, 5, oh, breaks yes, a tackle. Yes. Touchdown, Titans! Tajay Spears, largely on his own, takes it to the house. What a nice, nice series. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Coach, we love it. Titans took a 7-3 lead, but the Jaguars didn't seem like they were going away like we wanted them to, especially when Trevor hit Calvin Ridley deep to take a 10-3 lead. First and 15 now from the 41-yard line. Shotgun for Trevor. Etienne back in the game. He motions out of there now, dropping his Trevor. Looking, stepping up, stepping up, fires it deep downfield. What's Calvin Ridley? Calvin's out there. Calvin's got it. Five-yard line into the end zone. Touchdown, Trevor Lawrence to Calvin Ridley for the score. If we were ever wondering about the shoulder of Trevor Lawrence, erase any concern. Trevor climbs the pocket and throws an absolute dime to Calvin Ridley, who had Murphy Bunny beat down the middle well zero ran right by zero and he had a full two steps on it and that ball hit Ridley in stride perfect you could not execute any better great route by Calvin great throw great protection what a play it was on that play when I kind of just said oh man maybe that's this isn't the day maybe this just isn't the day I mean, when they're linking up Lawrence to Ridley, like, oh, man, okay. All right, 
We're going on the road. All right, is it Kansas City or Buffalo? Let's go. But nay, nay, my friend. Well, me. Because the king showed up and delivered. You heard Tajay Spears score to make it 7-3. How about Derrick Henry taking over the game to make it 14-10? Jacksonville stacking up the line of scrimmage, expecting Derrick Henry. They get him coming left. Henry turns it up to the 15. Henry to the 10. Henry to the 5. Henry to the end zone. That is the king. Touchdown, Titans, for the 90th time in his career. Derrick Henry has run it in. Derrick Henry, native of Uly, Florida. If you're going, okay, why does that matter? Well, Uly is about, I don't know, 20 minutes from Jacksonville. So everybody in the Jacksonville area grew up knowing this guy, loved him, set records in high school that I don't think anybody's going to ever touch. And then came back into the AFC South, but now with the Jaguars, with the Titans. And he has terrorized the Jaguars as much as he has terrorized us. He was absolutely tremendous in this particular ball game, scoring right there to make it 14-10. But he's got help in the form of Tajay Spears. Second and goal at the three. Give Spears scooting, spinning, diving, staying on his feet. They can't get him down. Touchdown, Titans! Tajay Spears! His second rushing touchdown of the campaign, his first since October. Great job of capitalizing on the turnover. That's complimentary football. That's how you do it. That gave the Titans a 21-10 lead, and now I was believing. Now I was thinking it could happen. Maybe the Texans could win this division. Maybe the Titans could pull this thing off today. Maybe this was the day. Well, to really, truly, fully believe, I needed my man Hop, one of my great pals from Houston, to make a touchdown catch to make it 28-13 to later in the second half. Tannehill. Takes the snap, looks, looks, fires into the end zone. Touchdown, Titans! DeAndre Hopkins! Wow, Henry Hopkins! What a duo there! And Tannehill continuing to work his magic against Jacksonville. All of that, all of that, Mike Keith. I'd say there is going to be panic with Jacksonville about right now. Just what we talked about, what you brought up coming out of the opening of the second half. Let's keep it on. Coach, I was right there with you. I wanted to keep it on. It's 28-13. Now they're up big. Now they could, man, they could put them away. But then, oh, crazy things started happening. Former Texans punter, as in the punter for the Texans, the first four weeks of the year, this year, Ty Zenner dropped a punt. The Jags then capitalized to make it 28-20. Shotgun for Trevor. He's got two receivers to the right and two to the left. ETN the running back. Four-man front for the Titans. Dropping is Trevor. Looking, looking. Fires in the left side of the end zone. That ball's going to be caught for the touchdown. Evan Ingram in the left corner in the end zone. Touchdown, Jacksonville. Well, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but Trevor throws it to the outside of Evan Ingram. Evan was in the left side of the end zone. He's looking to the inside. 
Trevor throws it to the outside away from where the Titans defender was, and Evan Ingram makes a catch completely untouched by any Tennessee Titan. On the ensuing drive, Ryan Tannehill went back to pass around midfield-ish. He was looking for hop, and I'm starting to think, yes, here we go. And then all of a sudden, the game changed on a dime. Second and five. Derrick Henry, the running back. Extra offensive lineman in there. Under center. Play fake. Tannehill drops. Fires middle of the field. That ball picked off by the Jaguars. Andre Sisco's running the back. 40, 30, along the far sideline. Andre Sisco picked it off and ran it back inside the 30. How good is that? That's a big-time play right there for Cisco. Now a career-high interceptions. That is four on the year, and I don't think any of them were bigger than that one. He steps right in front of DeAndre Hopkins. He knows that Tanny Hill is going to go his direction, and he gets the big play in a needed moment. Now the Jags were down eight, and they got a drive going. Oh, my gosh. We're going to live through this pain. Now watch the Jaguars come all the way back and tie this thing going overtime and just cut our hearts out. Oh, Titans, you can't do this. You can't let us down. Well, they say football is a game of inches. Trevor Lawrence on fourth and goal decided to test that theory. He came up two inches short. Here's Mike Keith making the call. Fourth and goal at the one. 7-14 remaining in the game. I formation. Lawrence under center. He takes the snap. He tries to sneak. He reaches the ball. I don't think he got it in. It's been picked up by the Titans. He used his 6-5 frame to try to do a basketball stretch. No signal. He lost the ball, and the Titans have it. Let's see what the official says here. Wow, what a stand. A goal line stand by the Titans. Ooh, sigh of relief, kind of. There was still time, and the Titans were stuck at the one-yard line. They didn't do much with it. Gave the ball back to the Jaguars. As the Jags faced another fourth and two, and this would be it. They didn't make this. They had no timeouts inside the two-minute warning. They had to pick up this fourth and two. Could they? Well, let's hear from Frank Frangi the voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Fourth down and two. Fourth and two from the 33-yard line. You need to get it to your own 35. Fourth down play. Bjornis Johnson, the running back. Shotgun. Titans showing blitz. They come again. He drops. Fires left side way too high. Incomplete. Evan Ingram was way well covered. The ball goes over on downs. The Titans will take a knee a few times. And the Jags will be turned away here at Nissan Stadium. Now, I will admit, I downloaded that clip. And kind of the way I go through, I download the clips, and they, they very well describe what they are. So I just download them and I drop them in. I hadn't heard that full call until just now. And my heart just dropped hearing a good friend of mine, Frank Frangie, just that's the pain. That's the pain of the season being over. That's the pain of losing a game that 
you had to win. Man, that was just all of that. And his voice just, the Jaguars are going to lose. I mean, that was essentially what he was saying. And not only that, the season was going to be over. Man, pain in Jacksonville. But joy in Nashville and a lot of joy and happiness right here in Houston. So, for once, thank you, Titans. Thank you, King Henry. Thank you, Hop. Thank you, Vrabes. Thank you, Timmy. Thank you, all of you, for getting that win and helping the Texans win the division. We get back the ultimate one, the play of the year of the regular season. I know exactly what it is. We'll have that for you next right here in Texas Matchup. First down from the Houston 25-yard line. Devin Singletary in the backfield. C.J. under center with Nico Collins to the wide side left. And Schultz in motion to that side. C.J. calls him out. C.J. will throw on the first play for the Texans. Steps up. Fires deep down the field. And caught by Nico Collins at the 20, 15, 10, 5. Rock and roll. Touchdown, Houston. 75 yards on the opening play. Okay. I teased the ultimate play of the year right here. Is it that play? Left up to me, John Harris, host of Texans matchups, silent reporter, football analyst. That is eked out by one play, and I'll explain why I think this play you're about to hear is the play of the year. Texans were 0-2, went down to Jacksonville, heavy underdog, Really hadn't found itself. Jumped out to a 17-0 lead against the Jags. In the second half, the Jags start coming back, which you expected. They're at home. They start hitting some throws. Held to a field goal. Made it 17-10. But they'd cut it to a touchdown. They get another stop of the Texans' offense. They get the ball back. They got an opportunity to tie. But then the Jaguars kicked the ball short to Andrew Beck. And this happened. The ultimate play of the year. Brandon McManus will kick off from our left to right with Mike Boone back deep. One yard deep in the end zone. Last time he let it bounce, and this is going to be inside the 10. And this is dropped, picked up by Beck. Beck still going, running to the right side. Beck has some room, 25, 30, 35, 40. He's at the 50. He's at the 45 of Jacksonville. Beck across the 30, the 20. The 15, 10, 5. Are you kidding? Rock and roll. Touchdown, Houston. My goodness. The reason I picked that one at number one was because of the situation. Owen 2 had just gotten hammered by the Colts the week prior at home after a lot of hype, like, okay, we're going to be a better team this year. Go to Jacksonville and have a tremendous first half, and now the Jags are back in it. It's 17-10. They get a stop. They get the ball back. They can tie this thing, and all of a sudden, we're, we're cratering. And, oh, my gosh. And then that play happened, and it changed the vibe on the sideline. It changed the vibe everywhere. That put the Texans up 24-10. They were going to win that game 37-17. And you started looking around going, hey, wait a second. We just walked in the last year's division winners, and we spanked them. But you needed that play to really show you can win games. You can do it. And Andrew Beck going on that right sideline, and I'm watching the sideline. I'm watching people react, and it was unbelievable. It was incredible. I feel like that play changed the season more than any play, and that is why it's the ultimate play of the year. Hopefully we're here next week talking about a matchup win over 
the Cleveland Browns. But until then, everybody, love you. Thank you. And we'll see you next time, hopefully. And as always, go Texans.